That was the gunshot you heard. That was the signal that brought all the trouble out in the open. It's a scene from our new picture, The Man Who Knew Too Much. As you know, Alfred Hitchcock has an uncanny knack for coming up with the unusual in entertainment. Well, the man who knew too much can certainly be put in that category. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake... Do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? Greetings. Um, I'm one of the hosts, uh, Peter. And I am Michael. I am the bass player for original remakes. That makes me the co-host to Peter's lead singer and lead guitarist. You don't want to hear me sing. Um, but maybe play guitar. I don't know. We'll see. We can add original music to the show. Maybe. I am great with air guitar. You should see me. I'm pretty good. Uh, rock band, too. Uh, I'm pretty mean on the on the guitar on the rock band. Are you? Do you have a newer console? Because I think Rock Band 4 is coming out this fall. We have the Xbox One. I am a PS4 man, so it's, it is not, not meant to be. <laughs> oh, I guess not. We can Skype and just kind of like uh, put on one player and see who scores the most. You know, Rockman <laughs> is already pretty nerdy, but if we were Skyping together on our different you know consoles, <laughs> that would probably be taking it to a new level. So we'll just we'll just stick with uh, nerdy podcasting. Yeah. Uh, speaking of podcast, uh, you guys are tuning in to listen to us uh, compare and review the man who knew too much. Um, the 1934 movie, it is directed uh, by Alfred Hitchcock, written by Charles Bennett, uh, D.B. Wyndham Lewis. It also stars Leslie Banks, who plays, let's see here, uh, Bob Lawrence. Edna Best plays Jill Lawrence, his wife. Uh, Peter Lohr, I, I think it's pronounced that way, uh, plays Abbott. And Pierre Fresne, who plays uh, Louis uh, Bernard. The, uh, the movie, uh, it's about a couple who goes to um, Switzerland um, on vacation. And at a ball or something like that, the, um, the wife, Jill, she is dancing with uh, Louis Bernard, who gets shot while they're dancing. And uh, I guess he tells her some information about a... Um, uh, like an assassination coming up or something and attempts to keep them quiet. Uh, Abbott has their daughter kidnapped. Um, and I, that's pretty much it, I, I guess. And so the 1956 remake, which uh, for this podcast and I think just in general, it's pretty interesting because it is the same director. Alfred Hitchcock is remaking his own movie, this time written by John Michael Hayes, who was someone he... Worked with often in the 50s, kind of his go-to screenwriter of choice. And uh, interestingly, um, on some of the special features I was watching for this film, uh, John Michael Hayes was instructed by Hitchcock to not watch the original, which he had not seen, and to not have access to the screenplay. He basically just gave him the same premise and wanted him to go wild with it. So <clears throat> on uh, 
on this podcast, we'll we'll see you know how far they kind of diverge from the 1934 version. Um, starting off though, this one, uh, unlike the original, which is starts off in the Alps with skiing and skeet shooting, uh, we get to see a completely different climate. It starts off in the desert and the assassination, uh, which is pretty similar. Um, it happens in uh, Marrakesh and the man who is assassinated is not dancing with James Stewart's wife, Doris Day, uh, but instead is uh, chased down, knifed in the back and in his death throes, uh, he grabs on to James Stewart's character of Dr. Benjamin McKenna and informs him of an assassination plot for an ambassador. So that leads uh, this husband and wife to lose their daughter, same as the original. The uh, the uh, assassins uh, abduct the daughter and or abduct the son rather in the uh, the remake, and um, then similarly keep them you know from talking. Basically, let them pull off their assassination plot, and they say then that that's the only way their child will live. But Jimmy Stewart has none of it, and that starts our adventure. Much like the original, they uh, go on a quest to get their their son back. Yeah for for this for this viewing, I've never seen either movies. Uh, I do know that the Bill Murray, the man who knew too little, <laughs> is is that like a, a parody? Yeah, or? yeah. I, well, I, I don't know if it even takes the same premise, but certainly the title they're they're riffing on it. Um, okay, so it's, it's probably not even like the same. Um, uh, so it's just a title that that they took. It's it's a completely different story. Don't, I, I've not seen the film, so don't hold oh, me okay. to it. But uh, I I don't think they're uh, they're doing it. Although we did have uh, one fellow podcaster ask you know why we were not doing the Bill Murray version, which as a huge Hitchcock fan was just you know personally insulting to me. Like of course we would go with the two <laughs> Hitchcock movies, but I can't speak to it. I don't know. Maybe it is like a really funny takeoff on it, but. Uh, we've we've had issues with that before, Peter, with the incredible shrinking man and then shrinking woman, where they tried to do like a comedy version and didn't work out too well. Yeah, uh, good point. But it's uh, it is Bill Murray. Um, I'd be interested actually to if it does kind of relate. I'd be very interested in in watching that. But um, yeah, I haven't seen either one. Uh, I did know at least a couple other uh, versions existed: uh, the thirty four and the the fifty six. But, um, yeah, uh, one I only watched because you, you brought it up. I watched the 1934 version on YouTube, not the uh, greatest quality. Um, you want to know how the, I watched it, Peter? Uh, please please tell. <laughs> the Blu-ray Criterion Collection, which took 10 years to restore to, like, you know, the proper uh, original, you know, visual spectacle that is the 34 version, which is... Um, you know, it's, it's definitely not going to be like watching a David Fincher movie, which is filmed with like, you know, red cameras and, and 4k, but I did have access to the plethora of special features that Criterion always provides. And they had one, uh, television show where they're interviewing Hitchcock from the seventies and it had, uh, they played a clip from the 1934 version mm-hmm. <laughs> and my goodness, like, those guys at Criterion know what they're doing because that that clip on that '70s TV special it looked like someone had taken like the film print 
and just like decided to run over it with her car and then try to project it like onto the side of the house, like in broad daylight and then capture that with like a camera. Like it looked terrible. So hats off. I don't know what your YouTube version looked like, how bad it got. I hope it was not nearly that bad, but I got to see a, like a gorgeous version of this with the, the Blu-ray criterion. I didn't know a 1934 movie could look as good as, it, as what they did with it. I think that's the version I did watch. Oh God! Um, oh, yeah. M- maybe not the runned over part, but it, <laughs> it looked like somebody was uh, projecting on the side of a uh, outside of a house. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, well, lucky you, I guess. Um, the nineteen fifty six version. Um, I did find a site that was uh, streaming, and that quality was actually pretty good. So uh, that one uh, looked really good, and um, in you know, kind of. I was engaged, a lot more engaged. <laughs> the YouTube one was a uh, was a little rough, um, so rough that I actually watched it twice. Um, but <laughs> also, you know, a reference I made on on your show previously, I uh, I was kind of like Josh Baskins from Big, you know, just um, I don't I don't get it, <laughs> you know. So that's why I watched it a second time uh, on, on a different day, of course. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because uh, I, you know, one thing that I found to be problematic about the 1934 version uh and like yourself i watched this twice and the first time i watched it i was like man this thing is really fast paced like there you know there's an assassination plot (coughs) in the alps they're skiing uh then they travel to london and uh they go to this weird uh dennis office uh where the assassins hang out and then they're in a church and there's gonna be assassination at uh royal albert uh, hall and I found it a little bit hard to keep up with how our heroes know where to go. Like, it seems like right. they get these clues, and I'm like, wait, who told them that? Why, how do they know this information? Why are they at a dentist's office? But upon watching it the second time, uh, maybe it's just because I didn't have as much thrown at me. I did find it to be – I enjoyed the pacing then. It's like I found it initially confusing, but uh, the second time around, I just found it to be just really fun. Like, they, there's, like, no fat on this movie. Like, they just – Get like wherever the villains are, the heroes go and find them, and they have some sort of like you know, uh, you know, fight whether it's like throwing chairs in a church or you know, sitting around smoking, listening to like a record with them. Like, they, they always find Peter Laurie and his gang, and uh, I, I liked it, I really liked the pacing the second time around. Hmm, I may have to watch it a third time. <laughs> uh, well, actually, you know what, send me your copy. <laughs> And oh, it's really nice. Yeah, it's it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> keep, keep rubbing it in there. <laughs> but so, does the uh, 1956 version work better for you? Because it is uh, noticeably longer. I think it's two hours as opposed to 75 minutes of the uh, the original. Yes, um, just because. Yeah, it, it definitely fleshed out a lot of things better. I mean, I, I don't know how much we want to get into it now before we uh, kind of um, you know talk about the the two different movies, but. Um, just kind of like how the 34 version started off. You know, we see that uh, apparently they already know uh, Louis uh, Bernard. Mm-hmm. And there was one point Louis tells um, the daughter, uh, actually, I, I didn't get her name, but we'll just call it the daughter since it's son and daughter. Right. But um, the, the daughter, he tells her, like, oh, call me Uncle Louis. I'm like, oh, so. Or, or, I think he says, like, I'm like an uncle or something. Mm-hmm. Call me Uncle Louie. Or I'm just like, really? Okay, that, that that's different. Well, I, I I guess I had that reaction the second time I watched it because I watched the 34 version first, then 56 the next day, and then I went back to the 34. So on the second viewing, I caught that uncle line. I'm like, 
Oh, what? Okay, that, well, that's not how... The, okay, so so it's a little bit different. I guess they're really close to the family. And then after watching it the second time, I had to kind of read the synopsis online. And then, so it's it's still like another person they, they befriended there in mm. Switzerland. So I'm like, okay, well, so I, I just kind of didn't get that. It, it was just, uh, it was a little confusing um, at, at times. But I, I think watching the 56 version helped me understand some things more the second time I watched the 34 version. Um, how did you uh, watch these two movies um, as far as like uh, in the, the order? I watched the, uh, the original first, um, which I think I'd seen this one uh, as a kid on a, like a crappy VHS tape, like one of those like uh, box sets, like that you could get mm-hmm. some of the older Hitchcock movies, because I think his earlier work is in the uh, public domain. So you would just see all sorts of companies putting out really shitty versions of it. And so I remember watching and falling in love with the 39 steps, which comes after this. Um, and you know, Hitchcock, one of his main themes is, is the wrong man. So it was, it was interesting here because uh, usually you have someone who's gets into a situation and is just being chased by like unknown forces. And he's like trying to investigate why he's being chased by them. Here, they know exactly why, and that I actually prefer the original because they they introduce like every character in that opening scene with like the mm-hmm. skeet shooting. Like you have this family, and you get to see their dynamic: this husband and wife, uh, the, the daughter, like uh, you know, running out to like get her dog, like you know, kind of causes like a skiing like accident, and like. You have Peter Laurie as the the villain, the the gang leader Abbott, and they're all sort of laughing and like chuckling, and that's where he sees the man who recognizes him, and they like recognize each other, and so he knows he has to like kill him because he has to like get him out of the way because for somehow that man knows about this assassination plot, so he's got to like shut him up. You know that, that at that point that's the man who knows too much. He's going to relay this to the family. Uh, and then you also have the mother character, which I think is awesome in the 34 version because she's like competing for this like shooting championship and it's her stupid daughter that talks and like ruins right. her. I, I love that. So the, you pretty much like for it to be such a fast paced 75 minute movie, uh, they kind of like set up the roles, uh, and the relationships really well. in that one, I think it. I kind of agree with you though, that if you watched, the 56 version first, it may improve your experience with the original. Usually it's the other way around, but I think because it's a little bit, uh, it's paced in a more normal fashion. Um, you can use kind of almost like cliff notes, like sort of shorthand to be like, okay, that's the, the father, that's the mother, that's the child. Uh, because it, it comes like rapid fire in the 34 version. So, uh, but for this podcast, the 56 version, this is the first time I had seen it. So I, I'd only ever seen the, the original, and I'd only seen it on a really crappy VHS tape. That's that's very interesting. I really do need to see the the better version of the 1934. <laughs> it's because I I do remember seeing Abbott laughing hysterically, I could, mm-hmm. and I just didn't understand why, and I didn't get to see the expression on the face. It's really um, the, the the version I saw. It's it's pretty bright you know like the mm-hmm. it's the it's so so you don't really get to see their their faces really well you know it it's it's so 
you know, like when you're editing a picture like on your phone or something, and then mm-hmm. you go like from bright to dark, it, it it looked like bright was turned up to 11. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. Yeah. Peter. So. It, it, you, it's YouTube's fault. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't have the Criterion Collection version. The so. only way to go. The only way to go. Um, yes, I'm, you know, I think, you know, it won't help you for this podcast, but I'm going to have to mail you my copy and let you check it out because <laughs> it, it, is, it is a stunningly great uh, transfer for this this 34 version. Well, we may have to remake this podcast if I uh, decide differently. Yeah. You know, a couple so we'll months see. down the road, and we'll just talk about you know we'll just compare the YouTube rip to the Criterion Collection. There you go. I like that. <laughs> so we'll we'll kind of remake the, the the show too. Yeah. We'll just um, you know talk about the uh, Criterion version versus the YouTube version. Um, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, do we? Let me see. Do we want to talk about the setting? Yeah, Is I think that? that that's that's important because you know I talked a little bit about the uh, you know the snowy Alps and it's it's just used for this like sort of contest. It mainly establishes uh, not only the relationships that's going to define the film, but it's also uh, gonna it's a nice bookend to how they choose to end the thirty four version mm-hmm. uh, because it establishes that the wife and mother um, is pretty damn handy with a rifle so that's gonna come and play at the shootout at the end of the film um and also the man who is the assassin is the is the shooter and the 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 crime they're plotting he is the one that beats her in that that shooting contest so uh like like i said all that that is established i would say not so much in the 56 version um jimmy stewart is kind of I think he's meant to be the more traditional Hitchcock hero in that he's generally kind of confused about things. Like it's mm-hmm. like really him being the man who knows too much in the 56 version. It's because a guy that they met, uh, who is like wanting to go to dinner with them, but then has to cancel because this like creepy dude shows up. Like, it's kind of like they're just, they just meet him and they're like, well, that's kind of weird. Oh, well let's go about our vacation. You know, like, um, and as you said in the original version, they actually know the man who's uh, going to be assassinated. Like they're already like friendly with him. Whereas in the '56 version, it's he's kind of more curious. Like they don't really know what he's up to. Um, right. And so then the way they they kill him off, he just he actually falls into Jimmy Stewart. And so that it's like he's just handed like <clears throat> you know it's like a hot potato. It's like he's handed right. a mess, and then Jimmy Stewart has to like deal with it. Whereas I think that in the uh, I don't want to assign blame, but in the 34 version, uh, it seems like the family kind of does it to themselves. Like their own curiosity gets them the best of them there. Uh, and I didn't feel that way with the 56 version. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do like the um, how you said the, the 34 version has that bookend because uh, the, the second watch, I did realize that the, the man she shot well, first off, the first viewing when she when she shot him, I go, "Hey, that that that's a that's a callback mm-hmm. <laughs> for the beginning." Right, I, I understood that, so uh, so that was exciting for me. The second viewing, I realized it was the same man. I go, "Hey, this is actually better than I, than, than the first <laughs> viewing." So you know, it, it was getting better upon viewing. It's just you know, I, I blame YouTube's version. Yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, I I really like that. The the, the second one. You know, it maybe because it's the writer, but they got a lot more characters in the second one. 
So um, I don't think it's as tight and intricate, you know, uh, as far as the storytelling. But, you know, I mean, you got more time, you, you can add more more people, right? You know, you you got 75 minutes, as you said, it's, it's you know, um, paced really quickly. You know, it could it could have been an hour if they took out, like, all the shooting, you know, and, and the uh, all the cops going door to door, taking over, like, people's rooms, you know, um, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But, uh, yeah, did you, let's see, the, no, I, I guess that's it as far as the setting, but I, I kind of like seeing the, the desert. It, it was just, it was really cool when, um, when I watched the 56 version, I was just like, oh, wow, they, they, they completely changed the location. Mm. Uh, they even filmed there and you can tell, um, and it was just kind of nice just to see the contrast, you know, in, in between. Just between the two, it's it was almost like a completely different movie. Yeah, I think uh, one thing you, you mentioned <clears throat> the contrast there, and I wanted to get to the contrast with the setting itself. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that the original, the thirty-four version, works better for me because you go from the snow and the Alps and this kind of vacation setting um, to you know that's a place that they're they're sort of strangers to, and then when the family goes back home to London. It's like they come back after their child has been kidnapped to a world that has like completely altered for them and it's darker. Because when they go back to their home city of London, like in the 34 version, you're only seeing like the seedy side of London. Like it's noisy and they're going mm-hmm. to like sort of grimy places. They're going to a strange dentist's office and everything's very threatening. And like, <laughs> you know, even going to the dentist's office, like, yeah, you, know, you have people screaming, and it's like that's a place that the gangsters can hide out because people screaming at the dentist doesn't draw any attention. So it's like they they enter like a very sort of seedy underbelly, and the it differs greatly from the '56 version because there, the strange land there in in the market in Marrakesh, that's where all the noise and like sort of chatter is, and like the bustle. Mm. And they go when he goes back, Jimmy Stewart, to investigate in London. And trying to track down um, these, you know, assassins, everything is really quiet. Like, you know, he goes to like there, like the streets, like are empty. And I, I thought that was an interesting change from the '34 version to. I don't, and I don't know if it's because it's you know in color because they have a higher budget or what, but uh, it just seemed like they tried to flip it on its head and make the quiet. Uh, a little more unnerving, whereas in the 34 version, they wanted constant noise as if there were like criminals like all over the place. So I don't, I don't know if that's something you you really notice, especially with the terrible transfer you're watching. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was something that when, when Jimmy Stewart starts his investigation, I was like, oh, wow, it just sounds different. Like they're, they're trying to creep you out in a different way. Mm, no, actually, I, I didn't pick up uh, on that at all. But that dentist office, you know, those big lips as a sign is very uninviting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, they're clearly they are uh, getting you know money from criminal operations because they are not, you know, wanting the general public to come in there. It's it is not meant to uh, to, you know, draw you in like, oh, I think I'm going to have that guy be my dentist. Yeah, well, at least the dentist had the right tools, I guess. <laughs> right. You know, even nitrous oxide, I guess. I, I mean, laughing gas is the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it ends up know. being used as a weapon in a in a pretty funny uh, fight sequence. Um, which <coughs> that, that's something I wanted to bring up that we don't really have in our notes is I found the thirty four version to be really funny and really silly at times. 
I didn't I didn't really get that from the fifty six version. Did you find it uh, humorous? I found it to be more straightforward. I, I did find the 34 a little bit more uh, humorous. Um, the 56 version, the one thing that really sticks out um, that right now, and it, it's been like a week, I think, since I've seen it, but um, it's the fight scene where uh, James Stewart goes to the uh, taxidermy place or something like that. or Right. Um, and then they start breaking out into a fight there, and then he, like, cocks his fist back or something. I don't know, or, or his hand get stuck in, stuck in like the tiger's mouth you know i'm just like what, what is that about you know like because i was like was that supposed to be funny because i didn't laugh i just thought that was really Isn't weird there, and silly. Uh, a guy that's like getting ready to like threaten him with like a swordfish yeah and the way he was like wielding it was all weird like 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 i, I don't know if he was trying to make it look like it was alive because he was just like shaking the thing and um i guess in a semi-threatening manner i i don't know it was kind of silly, and I want to say, oh yeah, and then the church scene where they break out in all those chairs. I'm like, Are you kidding me? Like, what is this? And in the 34 version, or was the, it the 34 version? The 34 version has the extensive the chair. chair fight in the church. Okay, yeah. see, I'm mixing them up. Yeah, uh, so I found that funny. You know, I'm just like, oh, okay, chairs. Um, well, what's, yeah, I think what's in, um, mm-hmm. interesting about you talking about the the taxidermy place is that. With the 34 version, they're making places that to the general uh, population are like good places or like, you know, safe places. Like, uh, you know, the, the dentist office is supposed to be someone who, you know, eases your pain or, you know, fixes you in a way. And mm-hmm. instead, you know, it ends up being some sort of like, he's like some sort of creepy villain that's like some sort of lackey that you know i'm i'm assuming like helps like torture people for this gang to like get information and then the tables are turned um and also the the church is where the gang hides out like you know that's not normally a place in movies where you see you know these assassins sitting around kicking back with their feet up plotting is in a church and then it breaks out into a fight with chairs where people are just throwing things at each other and beating each other over the head almost like a wrestling match or something yeah. Um, but the 56 version, I think, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I also think, you know, generally speaking that people are kind of creeped out by taxidermy, especially with like animals and such. And mm-hmm. it seemed like yet again, with the 56 version, they're trying to flip it where they're making Jimmy Stewart, who's more of a movie star and sort of the every man, uh, they're trying to put him in creepy places. And in that case, it ends up being funny because he ends up being totally wrong. Like he goes to like this creepy place and then he's like, got it mixed up. Like that's not like that. He misunderstood the dying man as far as where he was supposed to go. But I thought it was, it was interesting that the original version tried to take places that aren't considered creepy and then heighten them to make them very dark and seedy. And then the 56 version took seedy places and made them, like totally normal like there was nothing wrong with that taxidermy place you know did also in the church i i did kind of find it funny when um um what what wait the the church was gosh didn't jimmy stewart also there's two the, both he, movies had a church he scene, ends up right? going to the church but it's not it's not but played. there's no chairs okay yeah, and it's also he doesn't have the uh the fake hymn that they sing they try to like when right. that group starts singing uh, our 
uh, two heroes, uh, Lawrence and Clyde, try to fit in, and they do like just a piss poor job of it. Like they just look like idiots in the thirty four yeah. version. And then the fifty six, they're like talking to each other by singing along in cadence mm-hmm. with uh, the, the hymn. Because uh, I found that f- funny when Mrs. Drayton catches them sitting there, and then they try to hide behind like, the pillar, so mm-hmm. like Mr. Drayton doesn't see them. And so th- I found that kind of like a little funny, but um. I think the silliest scene in th- in the thirty four version is at the end when all the cops were going into all these rooms because they're all just nonchalant, just you know, just going through the motion. Just yeah, you know, we're just gonna put this mattress down and um, prop up right here and put our guns out. And um, I don't know about you, but just the all of that at the end of the thirty four version really just kind of didn't work for me. Mm. And I think it's because uh, mostly uh, the, the staging of all the the actors. Uh, it just looked like they were shooting in any direction as if there was no window. You know, they're just like they were had no had no walls. You know, they're they're facing every which way just shooting. Um, but also all those bystanders out in the street. Like I, I don't I don't know if in 1934 that was commonplace. Like there's a shooting. So people just come to watch. You know, like I, I felt like maybe everyone should have ran for cover. Well, it's, with it's based on a 1910 shooting um, okay. that was sort of infamous, and <laughs> it was um, it was three sort of I guess uh, I think Hitchcock called them anarchists that sort of it it took like the entire police force and some of the military to like get them you know down and like so it was kind of. It was famous, I guess, if you were, you know, you know, Englishman or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it was also, I think, in retrospect, even when uh, when Hitchcock remade uh, the Man Who Knew Too Much, there was, you know, he said it was hard to to really kind of go back to that because it would just seem silly. Like it would seem like like now, like you know, the modern police tactics, even in '56, is like uh, they're not going to let just that small number of people like kind of hold up a street and be barricaded, like they. They were just, you know, they would handle that more efficiently. So I think he was calling back to something that even at this point was, you know, 24 years old. But um, that's interesting because I had had more of a problem with the 56 uh, ending because I really liked the shootout with the gang. And for the most part, (coughs) I liked liked the shootout because of Peter Laurie and how he plays Abbott because – for most of it, he's not even at the window of shooting anything. He's actually just reloading everyone's guns. And right. <laughs> he's like the creepiest one, and he seems to be the leader. But he's it's like he's just working in a factory. Like, he's just, like, kind of clocked in, and he's just sort of mindlessly just loading these guns and then just handing them to, like, a random hand. And yet again, I just found it hilarious. And I just thought, I was like, this is, a like, sort of a ridiculous shootout. Um, I also really like that for them to not, have that many like gang members it always feels like there's something being shot like but for the most part it's just like bottles on the wall you know it's just like the the that apartment that hideout just gets shot to shit but it actually takes them a long time to kill the gang members like right (coughs) and that's kind of what i was talking about as far as like the the staging of everyone like where are these bullets coming from like again it just felt like there was no walls you know like the magic bullet 
theory, you know, like uh, who was that woman that got shot right in front of him? Was that like, sister his mother or sister? Okay, and so like when she got shot, I go, okay, where did that bullet come from? You know, it, like it should have hit one of them to, to to get to her. So I was, so that that was my issue with it. Um, did you have any you issues know? with the the wrap up of Fifty Six because they replaced the shootout with uh, them going to the uh, the embassy? The, Right to see the um the prime minister and the the it's the the Abbott version here um is uh Drayton Edward Drayton and he's he's handled by like getting shoved down some steps like I don't I don't that was my biggest issue is I feel like they didn't you know even if the shootout is silly in the thirty four version uh, they still kind of kept it silly by just like knocking throwing him down some stairs. And then that was right. that was it. A little a little anticlimactic. Like yeah, yeah. It, it didn't build up to anything. Yeah. Um I think I was more uh I I had more of an issue with uh Mrs. Drayton because I felt like her reaction wasn't quite earned. I thought kind of confusing, isn't too it? Quick. It was a little bit, yeah, because I was like, wait, what, what's going on? Um especially because of that scene earlier in the church. You know, you're like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, they're they're up to no good, and then at the end, I'm like, what's going on? Is she conflicted? I don't, I don't, she, yeah. But I agree with you. There was no evidence prior to me that she would suddenly have a change of heart about harming this child. I I don't right. know. Maybe I mean maybe it was just a bluff for her. But yeah, she she seems emotionally uh, traumatized that something bad is about to happen to this kid. And it's like uh, you you played a pretty big part in putting him in danger. Like right. So. Is it- Speaking of the kid, the, the, the son was was he uh, in Lassie? <laughs> I, I don't know. I <coughs> I know. Just comparing the two, I did. I much preferred the the daughter character to oh, the oh son. God, me too. <laughs> His um, especially the the phone conversation. I don't know if that's what you're going to, going with. Uh-huh. But when he was on the phone, good God, I uh, um, it was oof, it was bad. Well, there's really certainly bad. there's certainly more of him, and it's you know the '56 version. Uh, I've got written down. It takes 35 minutes before um, they actually lose him before before he is kidnapped, and you know 35 minutes for the uh, the '34 version. That's almost half the movie is <laughs> is over. So <laughs> I, I thought that. There's a little bit too much time spent on on the kid here, and I guess the family dynamic. Uh, he was in Lassie, but I'm trying to figure out if he's the main character. It doesn't look like he's the main character, but I don't know. When he was just um, talking over the phone, it, that's what it sounded like. Like you know his uh, his dictation, or just like the way he spoke. Like oh, it's, the only thing missing was like. Father, how are you doing? How's Lassie? You know, like, I don't know. It, um, I, I definitely did not like the way he spoke. Um, I, I think the phone conversation in the, uh, the 34 version is actually very creepy, the way it sounds, because we don't see the daughter. We just hear it, and you don't really know if she's being prodded to say certain things or not. Like, it's just totally from the, the parent's perspective. And so just hearing that sort of voice on the other end, uh, I liked it, and also I, I thought it was accurately childlike. If any, if anything, it's the mother that's sort of getting on her nerves because the father's like, just ask, see, if, you know, find out where where she is, and she's sort of, I don't know, she's just kind of freaked out. But uh, on on the kind of the subject of the cast, let, let's kind of compare the the two. 
Okay. Uh, what do you, you know, who do you prefer, uh, Leslie Banks as Lawrence or James Stewart as uh, Ben McKenna? Do, um, uh, Bob Lawrence. Well, what um, do we know what he does as a profession? You know, I don't really know. Um, okay. I, I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember okay. if that, that comes up or not. Yeah, good question. Because um, just because uh, you know James Stewart here is a, a is a doctor, when Louis comes to him with a knife in his back, he doesn't do anything doctory. <laughs> like, no. um, why don't you remove the uh, the knife from the man's back and apply pressure? Like, <laughs> that's that stop bleeding one on one, is it not? I mean, yeah, I think uh-huh. it's funny for him to be the everyman and also have you know to be a doctor. It's almost like it's just there to establish that. Uh, they have the financial means to to travel like that. I guess I don't know because when you asked me if we knew what Lawrence uh, did, I'm just like I don't know. It just seems like he's just rich. I don't know. Like that's all. That's all I really gleaned from it. So maybe maybe that's just what I equate with doctor too. It's like oh, they're wealthy. Yeah, it's just um, because I'm trying to think who did I believe more. You know, as as what they do for a living to kind of get into what they get into. You know what I mean? Like for James Stewart to be a doctor and then, you know, go to this, uh, the, the taxidermy place. And do I believe a doctor? I mean, I mean, it, it, if your child goes missing, I mean, you'll, you'll do anything to be honest, but I don't know if James Stewart really showed me that. Um, so I think I'm going to go with uh, Leslie Banks for, for the father. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I normally like, uh, Jimmy Stewart, but here I found him to be just generally, uh, he, he just had sort of one emotional track that he was on, which is to go around and sort of gripe at people. Like he just, mm. he just seemed, he was trying to play, I think, uh, a heightened sense of anger, like that displays panic, but instead it just seems like he's just grouchy. And I, I mean, obviously he's trying to track down his son, but, uh, I, I didn't find him to be particularly likable, uh, in this role. And you're supposed to have ultimate sympathy for him. Right. Um, and I didn't like I didn't like a lot of scenes with him and his wife either. Uh, one of the scenes that bothered me. Okay, here's one thing that bothers me about his character is, hold on now, hold on now. You know, or wait, 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 just one minute. Like it just seemed like he said that way too often. And um, the scene where he like basically tells his wife to take these sedatives, you know, so it would just calm her. Like, hey, you you're just getting too excited now. Like. I, I I just didn't I don't know I guess I blame well, the writing more so than him. It's it's actually a, a huge uh, thematic shift because the thirty four version of this same character is kind of the reason the family gets stuck in this situation because he's a loudmouth. Like the mm-hmm. the criminals overhear him like repeating information that they don't want him to have, and so that's you know what what puts them on the trail. That's the reason his daughter's kidnapped. Whereas uh, Jimmy Stewart's version. You know he's very quiet, so withdrawn. It's like he he wants everybody to shut up as well. Like he, I don't know. It's I, I sort of I like the version of the film better where it's kind of the father's fault that he gets his family embroiled in this. And I yeah, not the Jimmy Stewart version doesn't want anyone to talk. He wants he doesn't even want his wife to like really talk to him over dinner. And so it's like it, for him, it's just really just by happenstance this that this problem of his child being kidnapped you know comes to his doorstep, but. Uh, well, not only that, they're like, here, run off with these Draytons that we just met. <laughs> right. Um, uh, which, the wife? 
Yeah, the, let's let's go to the two wives. We got Edna Best in the 34 version as Jill, and then Doris Day in the 56 version as Josephine McKenna. So, uh, which one do you prefer of those two? I think I'm going to go with Edna Best. Um, I I didn't have any issues with uh, Doris Day. Is it Doris Day? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I didn't have any problems with her. There, there was one point that kind of did bother me, and I guess I found out that this is like one of her earlier uh, movies as well. But it's when they're um, on the on the horse carriage, and they're she's complaining about how uh, Ben is it Ben? Yeah, Ben keep kept on you know just running his mouth to uh, Louis Bernard. It's like that man knows everything about you, and she kept on doing the. You know, every time she said something, she she'd do that little head nod, you know, like like in <laughs> like in Bewitched. She did that like twice, and it just it's like why is she doing that? Is it, it? So I don't know. If that's something from the fifties, but that know, bothered me. George Clooney suffered from that in his earlier roles too. He always did a head nod, and then oh, Jason well, Lee the, as well. The Jay Leno head nod, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but this was more like a like a hmph, you, you know. There's like a, a, a accentuated, hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, but in the that song K Sera Sera, I I didn't know it was from this movie. I didn't either. I didn't know it was an original song written for this film. Yeah, well, where did you hear it before? Just covers. Uh, I think I I think it's in the movie Heather's. I think it plays over the credits, not this okay. version, but uh, yeah, with uh, Winona Ryder. I think it's in that film. I'm pretty sure that's where I I've I've heard it in full before. But it's like it's kind of one of those songs that I just I didn't think about. It. It's like yeah, this had to be created for something or somewhere. But it's like I just I don't know. It seems like something kids would just sing on a playground or something. I never really had ever given it any sort of thought. So yeah, I, yeah. That, that was interesting. When when that when she sang that, I go, wow, that song's that song's very familiar. And I looked up to see like um, you know the the covers uh, of it, and I guess uh, where I heard it from was an episode of uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> I think we have our our end song now because we always try to choose a, an appropriate cover for for the yeah. uh, this podcast. So that that'll probably be it. So listeners, you yeah. have that to look forward to or to dread. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, Depending. Yeah, so yeah, not not a bad song. Um, uh, no, what what did you think about the the end when Mrs. Drayton has uh, H- Hank uh, whistle along? <laughs> I I tell you what, this is the easiest you know matchup for me. It was it was hard to vote against uh, James Stewart, but I have absolutely no allegiance to Doris Day, and in particular, her song being the way she saves her son. This is 1956. We have to go back 22 years prior to 1934 where we've got an absolute badass mother and wife who to save her daughter just fucking takes a rifle and just pegs a guy and like one shot. That was awesome. Like that was like the fact that it didn't change to Doris Day singing K Sarah Sarah. I, (laughs) I was not pleased with it, sir. Not, not at all. Yeah, I I definitely yeah, like I said, Edna Best is uh, the best uh, choice for the mother, um, and she. Let's see, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm starting to mix up the the two movies now. One of them has the mother, um, the 34. I, I guess uh, I guess Doris Day's character. She she's actually a little bit more involved in this in, uh, this plot, right? Because doesn't she um, kind of take the place? Yeah, she takes the place of the. 
the other uh, I forgot the other man's name when they go to the church in the thirty four version. Clyde is the kind of the, the sidekick. Yeah. yeah, right. So she becomes him at, at the mm-hmm. church. So a, l- a little bit of a, a change there, um, but again, I think also that Clyde is in the the thirty four version mainly for comedic relief because he's the one that yeah. gets his <laughs> teeth. You know, he gets a tooth pulled in the dentist office, and he's the one that gets hypnotized at the church. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I think they just didn't want to do all the goofy shit to the wife, and you know, rightfully so because she's she's the ultimate badass in the thirty four version. Yeah, yeah. So this is w- way before Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I yeah, I definitely like the wife. I, I think we both agreed that the daughter is, is the the better child um, in here. And then Louis Bernard, uh, we didn't get much of him in the thirty-four version at all. No, no, we did. We did not. Um, I like the way that they. I, I prefer the the initial murder, the initial assassination, in the thirty-four version. Yet again, it's silly. Uh, it involves him dancing with uh, Lawrence's wife, and also a prank is pulled on him with the the, the string attached. Right. So. Peter Lorre just laughing his ass off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peter Lorre. Okay, great transition because, you know, I, I had the last one down as a comparison is the the villains. And I, I guess I had Abbott and Drayton as like the two, the sort of different leaders in the 34 and 56 version respectively. And I mean, how do you go against Peter Lorre who is just, I mean, he's just having fun. I mean, he's like, right. <laughs> um, you know, what I like about him is that for, for a villain, you know, th- this is a movie that's it's pretty much all about um, sound or noise. It's all about, mm-hmm. like, you know, basically telling people to shut up, like, keep your mouth shut. And, you know, the criminals on the 34 version, as you said, you know, they don't really say much or have much character. And he's, like, the only one that is humanized in any way. And it's because they allow him to talk. Like, he is allowed to make noise. Like, he... And he seems to enjoy talking and shooting his mouth off, which is what gets the family in trouble and what he's there mm-hmm. to kind of stop. But, you know, even even when uh, Lawrence is tracking him, his watch gives him away a couple of times. Like, he gives him oh, away right. at the dentist's office. And then at the very end, that's, that's you know, what what dooms him is he's hiding by the door and the, the police hear the the watch. And then they, you know, they find him. They, they fire through the door. But uh, I, I think he's so charismatic. I actually... This is going to make me sound like an idiot on this podcast, but I had to like look up on Wikipedia after watching the 56 version and it's like, is Drayton supposed to be like Abbott? I was like, cause there was like, they don't even really try to have an Abbott character in the 56 because I just didn't find any of the villains to be like very memorable in the, the remake. I, I think, I think the problem with the 1956 version is that you made them an older couple. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that's, that was the issue there because I, I liked the um, Abbott character because he's a he's a gangster. You got <laughs> these uh, uh, two older couple that are more like you know kind of like spies that are just older you know right. Than, perhaps the original Mister Mrs Smith I don't know you know but yeah yeah Abbott uh, I, I definitely liked um, that bad guy uh, better. But just to kind of go back to uh, Louis Bernard real quick I, I like the the fifty six one uh, better but just because you know you just had more scenes with him um, I liked. His uh, uh, f- uh, face acting, you, you know, you, he got to emote a lot, you know, with, with uh, you know the scene on the bus, you know, talking to um, to Ben. So I, I really like that scene, and um, yeah, I did. So I, I like 
the 56 version of uh, uh, Louis better. Um, and that's pretty much everybody, right? You said Abbott was your last character. Was, you yeah, in? the last one I had. Yep. Okay. Um, which we, you know, we kind of went over the, the finale earlier, just talking about the both of them are kind of silly in their own way, whether you go to the shootout or the, the singing and shoving at the embassy. But uh, I, I've kind of talked uh, junk in a way uh, about 56. I think I've sided with 34 in almost every facet, but <laughs> I will grant the actual assassination attempt with the music. Uh, I have to, I will go with the 56 version because you certainly got your money's worth there. Like it seems like it's high production value and the 34 one, they use as much trickery as they can to kind of fake the fact that it's like, you mm-hmm. know, like a huge, you know, the, the biggest like, you know, musical theater and hall uh, in London. But I, I think that the way they, they perform it, it's very similar, but the way they do it, it's just, you know, you get your, your bang for your buck with the 56 version. It does sound a lot better. Um, and I think I kind of like, um, the 56 version better because she wasn't sitting, you know, amongst the the other the audience, right? Right. You know, so I kind of like that. Um, and yeah, I, I just like the, the the way it played out in the nineteen fifty six version better. Um, again, just extremely long. I, I think I read somewhere it was like twelve minutes. Or and I, like yeah, that I think over. it's like seven minutes in the original. So they're both lengthy sequence. I mean, seven yeah. minutes in the original is like good lord, you're like ten percent of the entire movie. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're they're both uh, lengthy sequences. But I think he. He staged it. I mean, he just you know the second time around, he just he just you know he he just had more more time to kind of I guess look at what he did in the original and then amplify it. So yeah, you get an extra five minutes of of tension and goodness there, and uh, it's you know it's very reminiscent of uh, I don't know if you saw Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. No, there's a sequence of assassination attempts. Uh, during a performance that is, I, I said, I was like, oh, this is like, you know, something out of Hitchcock. And I wasn't thinking the man who knew too much then because I hadn't rewatched the original in forever, but it very much feels like they were doing an homage to the 56 mm. version in particular. It was very cool to see and also very fun. I did like how the uh, the guy fell off the, the balcony too. It, it looked really good. They give Jimmy Stewart some, he gets more heroic moments. I mean, in, you know, poor Leslie Banks in the 34 version, he just gets locked in a room for like the last third. Uh, and Jimmy Stewart gets to do a whole lot more in the 56 version. I think that's another thing. Like, uh, Jimmy Stewart is just ex- extremely old for having you know, Hank's got to be like, what, 12 years old or something? <laughs> yeah. You know, and Jimmy Stewart's probably like in early 60s, late well, I don't 50s. know. He's, he's not that easy to get along with. Maybe it took him forever to like find someone who would, you know, procreate with him. Or, or I guess so. Yeah. I mean, Doris Day was, uh, like, I think in her 20s or something. Some things um, never changed in Hollywood. No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I don't know. He, I haven't seen much of Jimmy Stewart stuff. Like, uh, I, I'd have to see the titles to remember, uh, you know, if I saw it or not. Rear window. I think I, Oh yeah, yep, love it. Uh, that I saw. Um, Vertigo. I don't. Yes. So those were both him, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I love both of those. Um, the Mister Smith goes to Washington. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I saw that, but I know he's in there. Harvey. I haven't seen Harvey. It's a Wonderful Life. I haven't oh, seen that. Oh, Peter. Oh, Lord. I don't but know. I do know there's a remake. Oh God. <laughs> Well, that you know that that is you know my favorite. There's a remake with Matilda. 
Oh god, <laughs> that is a. Uh... Oh, wait a minute, one. there's not a remake of It's a Wonderful Life. Is that... I'm thinking you're thinking of Miracle on Go on 34th Street. I was about to say, oh, you guys in your Santa Claus. I was, you know, I was actually it's... getting excited. I don't know why, because <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life is one of my favorite films. So I'm like, oh, cool, we'll get to talk about it for a Christmas episode. No, we're going to be talking about Miracle on 34th Street. That will be our Christmas episode for original remake. But yeah, It's a Wonderful Does, Life. Um, it's great. That, that doesn't that doesn't have a remake. It's a Wonderful Life. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know who's if anyone's had the balls to to remake that. That is a that would be like remaking. Uh, Citizen Kane or something for some people that is that is up there that is a, a classic so I don't know or yeah, I was about to say it, Wizard of Oz but they've done kind of remake with Wizard of Oz right remakes and reboots and yeah. sequels yeah <laughs> but but those are you know kind of based on a book right um, but I I feel like uh, it's a wonderful life I mean I've I've seen you know that movie in other you know like in TV shows you know like uh, Quantum Leap did it an episode just like don't no, don't shake your head no. they I've, I've seen the story podcast <laughs> listeners i am emphatically shaking my head no uh please tweet at us uh we don't you know we're a new podcast so we don't get a lot of interaction but please demand that this holiday season peter do the the you know the right thing if you love your just slightly enjoy christmas peter uh, you have to watch it's a wonderful life it is a great film uh, is there a Criterion Collection <laughs> version of that? I actually think that movie is too popular for Criterion to be able to afford. I don't think I think they have to go with stuff that's like out of print and studios don't want to uh, release. So I, I don't think that they'll ever get their hands on It's a Wonderful Life. So you probably have like a Blu-ray r- version of it or something. You know what? I do have a Blu-ray. I, you know, I'm gonna. It's in the mail. I'll put it in the mail with uh, send them both. The 1934 <laughs> Man Who Knew Too Much. <laughs> yeah, send them both to me. Um, I, I will watch it if you do that. Um. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that this is about the point of the show where we probably need to get to our three questions because now we're talking about other movies and other other uh, you know podcasts we may do. So was well, there any I, other thoughts you had about these two before we get to our final three? The, the, there are uh, some other things I, I kind of wanted to kind of um, maybe uh, you know ask some questions about or just kind of get your thoughts. Um, uh, I guess in no particular order, I'm just going to ju- jump uh, around a little bit. But uh, when Ben is reunited with his daughter, it just it, it seemed like like it it, it was very well. He, he did not act good, you know. Like um, uh, I have had a moment exactly like that, and I was very happy to see my son Jimmy Stewart. It's just kind of like. Here, daughter, let me give you a hug. I mean, I don't know. It 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 was just very. He's not. He's not a nice man. Tall. Not a nice man, Peter. He's not. I, I don't know. I, I, or just terribly miscast. I, I don't know. I think. I think he was. Jimmy Stewart was trying to do his best Liam Neeson taken before taken even existed. And I. Okay. I just don't think uh, we accept him as like some sad. sort of hard ass. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, I'll have to go back and watch Vertigo and. Um, uh, rear window again, but I, I did enjoy those two very much. Um, now, would you consider like uh, this a cla- uh, like a, a classic Hitchcock movie? Like the thirty four version? Yes, um, I think it and Thirty Nine Steps are like the two from his uh, British filmmaking uh, days that you probably have to watch. Um, maybe The Lodger if you want to go into silent film territory. Um, <laughs> that's not to say that I could understand if people maybe preferred the 56 version to the 34, but 
but by that point, like you're getting into 56, like he made rear window in 54. He made a North by Northwest. Let's see. He made vertigo. I've seen that one. He made vertigo in 58 North by Northwest in 59 and psycho in 60, which I don't know if any filmmaker has ever had a better three year consecutive three film run than that. Those, I mean, those are all classics. So, the problem with the 56 version for me is that I don't think it, I think it gets overshadowed just given the time period and other movies he was making in that right. span. Whereas if you go back to 34, this is like probably this and 39 steps are the two best of his British movies. Maybe the lady yeah. vanishes. I don't know. Cause of, of all the, the Hitchcock movies that I, I have seen, I would say this is probably the, the weakest one, you know, not to say that it's bad or that I didn't enjoy it. There are definitely others. <laughs> yeah, others, so. yeah. It, it's just because, like, uh, every single one, I was like, well, love it. Love it. Mm. It's great. You know, Vertigo. Uh, again, I'm just repeating the same titles over and over. But when I watch this, I'm like, okay, well, I, I can see why this is a thing. Didn't love it. You know, right. and I don't know if it was Jimmy Stewart and and the fact that I watched the other version on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I would so. say it's easily the worst of the uh – Jimmy Stewart Hitchcock collaborations. Even going to Rope, which is an earlier movie, is a great, great Hitchcock film. So yeah, it's uh, yeah uh, the the remake is probably never included. Although, just to brag a little bit more about my Blu-ray collection, it was included <laughs> in the Hitchcock uh, box set. So I didn't even know it was in there. That's I guess you know that's me uh, dissing the remake because I was like, oh, this is this made the cut. That's kind of curious, but yeah. Um, the other ones, it's probably the weakest one in that box set. Okay. Um, okay, let's see here. The uh, We touched on a lot of the things that I kind of wrote down, but um, what do you think about how the daughter escapes uh, in the 34 version, you know, up on the, the roof and all that stuff? It just seemed really easy. Uh, it's I didn't have as big of an issue as that. I just didn't know why the, uh, the shooter uh, was adamant about chasing her up on the roof at gunpoint and then not like, he's not intending to kill her, but I guess he's trying to like use her so he can maybe escape. Um, I didn't have an issue with that because you, you get to see, uh, her father Lawrence just punch through doors and like unlock them. Like he's, I don't know. He's just kind of kicking things around. And, uh, at that point I was kind of accepting of a lot of shenanigans in that, in that shootout. So I, I didn't have, I didn't have issue with that. Yeah, okay. I had less issue with that than I did that stupid song, like <laughs> showing them where the the sun was. Right. Um, and Abbott behind the door. What do you think about that? I, I mean, I liked it because it had the uh, it, it brought the watch kind of full circle. Yeah, that gives Which him a, gives away his the presence. Third time we heard it, right? Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, I, I would have preferred the original uh, ending and the uh, the original ending in the screenplay is they hear the watch and they shoot or they like, you know, pull that door back to reveal that he had just left the watch like hanging there and he actually like escapes. Abbott's the only one who gets away, but the British censors would not allow a criminal to not be punished, much like in American films, the gangsters, even if they were the main characters and they're very charismatic, they always had to die at the end or go to jail. Mm. Uh, I would have, I would have loved this, this movie if, if Abbott had gotten away, but I just love Peter Laurie. Uh, if he had, if he had left his watch and been like strolling out in the streets, like onto his next like crime would have been great. So 
It was just censored. The censors got to it, made it kind of a cop out. I I don't recognize him from anything except for I've I've always seen this cover and his faces on it, mm-hmm. but he kind of reminds me of Flat Top from Dick Tracy, you know, the Warren Beatty I think, movie. Yeah, I think there's a lot of they're taking a lot of the inspiration from this era of films and those sort of character actors that had very unique features. I mean, he's he's a you know, <laughs> God rest his soul. I'm sure he passed away a long time ago, but he's he's a weird looking dude. Yeah, he's just yeah. very. He was born to be like a villain on on film. Yeah, um, just because I know uh, like the cops, they didn't have like walkie talkies or anything like that. So I don't I don't re- remember if they um, uh, knew that the daughter had escaped, but like they were pretty ballsy to shoot through the door, you know, knowing <laughs> that it was going to be a bad guy. Hey, man, uh, they're scared. So, they're just <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Uh, yeah, and you know, like when when they kicked the door open, or whatever, they didn't quite do the. Right procedures to clear the room before walking in. Ah, it was just li- little things like that. I know it's you know 1934 and what have you. So, but uh, yeah, just when he was behind the door, I go really. They just shut through the door, just knowing it was going to be him. <laughs> um, just little things like that. But you know, maybe my uh, uh, opinions will change if I watch this very nice, silky smooth version that you have. It's the best, <laughs> man. It is the best. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, make sure you send that insured too, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So let's get into our, our, our three questions. Uh, do you have it with you by chance? Yes, I can. Okay. Peter, does the remake do justice to the original? Does it do it justice? Um, you know, it does a lot of things differently. Uh, I think. I don't want to even say. I think saying that it honors the original is is too bold of a statement just because knowing that Hitchcock didn't want the the remake writer to you know go back and um you know you you've mentioned it to not watch it to read the the screenplay any of mm-hmm. that so uh I so what did he go off of just the books the was he, that the source He said uh, Hitchcock would just basically tell him a story as if he was telling him like a bedtime story and so he would just dictate like here's here are the beats of what happens yeah. to his family and I think the locale and everything else, those little details I guess he could sort of alter and obviously the some of the characterization is off as we discussed. I mean you know, this this married couple come across very differently from the married couple in the uh in the original, so just story beats. Yeah. So I don't know <laughs> if uh, knowing that fact kinda um you know swayed me in one way or the other. But um, yeah, so I'm not gonna say that it honored it, but I uh, as a remake, I think it's actually pretty good as even a standalone. Hmm. Like I, I, I don't feel like you know we kind of mentioned it. But I don't, you don't need to watch the original to really get the second one because I think the second one, for me at least, I understood it a lot more. Uh, things were you know a little bit more clear and um, characters were a little bit more fleshed out, kind of. Um, but. But yes, I, I I think it does it justice to a certain extent. So if you just watch the remake and, and avoid the original, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful and someone would want to remake it? Yeah, I, I you know Hitchcock remade his own movie. <laughs> he liked uh, the story. <laughs> he he obviously liked the story enough. Um, yeah, I I can obviously see why. Uh, Perhaps also at that time, you know, I don't. How do you know how many moves he he had done uh, by the point of 1934? Oh, um, 
I don't know. I think they're. It seems like six. I don't know. I'm kind of guessing. I don't know if this is single digits. Yeah, yeah. Probably thinking. Okay, yeah. So you know, I I think maybe he was like, hey, you know what? I really liked that story, but I was still you know kind of starting out. Didn't quite have the budget. Didn't quite have the the uh, um, the stars because Peter Lorre. That's his first uh, like English speaking mm-hmm. role, right? Couldn't speak so, English. Like they right. His the so way he delivers lines. Yeah, just phonetically, which is amazing because he seems like his performance is the best one as far as like he he has all of the he has a gleam in his eye. So that that dude, I don't know, he was awesome. I didn't know him to be a foreign actor uh, mm-hmm. until I I you know looked up some things. Um, but yeah, I, I can see why it's remake. And you know, dare I say, I I, I feel like this uh, needs an update, modern take. And I think easily could. I mean, you could yeah. you could easily take this and put it in modern modern times. But um, do, you, uh, do you want to get into some fantasy casting here? Fantasy casting for uh, I think the the couple is the hardest one because you you clearly you know you had a major movie star. With Jimmy Stewart, it's almost like having like I don't know Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise of his day, big star. But you know he and we listed off other movies that we enjoyed him, and he did not cut it here. So uh, I I think you have to go with someone that's <laughs> I don't know. For me, I would want someone who could handle um, the situation with a little more levity, a little more humor. I don't know. Um, How about a Bradley Cooper? I think that's an excellent pick. I think he can handle the serious, but also, you know, he's, you know, he's done action and, uh, he's likable. He can be likable even in very serious roles. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's an excellent pick. Who, who would you have as the, uh, the wife? I mean, if you wanted to stick with Hollywood tradition or with Doris Staving or twenties and him in fifties, <laughs> you would go with Jennifer Lawrence again. You would go with like a huge age gap because him and, uh, Bradley Cooper like to, uh, to, or her and Bradley Cooper like to play off each other, but I don't know right. if I really want to see Jennifer Lawrence with a kid, but I don't know. Um, what about the, uh, we kind of mentioned her prior to recording, the uh, the actress from Bury My Ex. I don't know. Oh, Daddario? Um, probably too young. You know, what are we talking about, Peter? If you're asking me to cast an actress who can play, <laughs> you know, sweet and loving, um, I'm thinking of my personal favorite. Uh, Jessica Chastain, who I will cast in anything. Uh, oh, yes. She played the devoted uh, wife in Take Shelter. Uh, very caring and very mm-hmm. trying times. And she also played the ultimate badass in Zero Dark Thirty, uh, helping to hunt down Osama Bin Laden. So yeah, I think you could have a good Edna Best version of the character with Jessica Chastain. But uh, yeah. Jessica Chastain could play anything. Jessica Chastain could play Abbott for all I care. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. I, I change, change the uh, the gender. It'd be really cool, um, wouldn't it? You know, uh, back to Take Shelter, I, I guess I wouldn't mind Michael Shannon in this role either. It, it, would it, as the as the uh, husband? The husband, yeah. Yeah, because I was about to say... More everyday man. You don't you, you know? don't want to put him in Abbott because he's he's already played enough sort of kooky, Bad crazy guys. villains. So, yeah, that that would be... That would be good. I, I think that Hollywood would say, let's keep Bradley Cooper in that part and Jessica right. Chastain. But yeah, Michael Shannon, I think, would be would be awesome uh, in this. And, you know, casting someone like that as opposed to like Jimmy Stewart, you don't you can still keep like the original ending where the wife gets to be the hero. Whereas if you cast Bradley Cooper, maybe not. Maybe he has to do all the fighting and stuff. Right. 
Right. Um, yeah. There you go. So it, it, it <coughs> depends, I guess, on the ending uh, you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want the, the you know, the um, the 34 ending, you're probably going to want a bigger star or actress, right, than, than the actual lead, uh, male lead. Um, I guess the, the kids, they don't really matter because they don't, don't really care. have a role. Um, and then I guess it comes down to Abbott or uh, let's let's just go with Abbott. You know, I don't really yeah. care for the Draytons, uh, to be honest. Um, and I, I guess also Louis uh, Bernard, I, that doesn't really matter either you know, just because it's a small role. But for Abbott, hmm, who frightens me? <laughs> I need somebody frightening, you know. I I don't know if I want him um, chuckling and and laughing hysterically at, at things. I, I want somebody menacing, you know. Uh, give me <laughs> give me Steve Buscemi, another weird looking dude. <laughs> yeah, I was on the kind of the same wavelength as you, um, as far as I was just picking an actor I like, uh, and he's got the same build as Mister Pink there. But I was going to go with Joseph Gordon Levitt because I've never really seen him play. Uh, like a villain like this, but he always kind of takes little quirky parts. And I think I would like to see him. He's he's very charming, but I would like mm. to see him, you know, doing some foul deeds like kidnapping a small child. And uh, yeah, I think, I think he would be, would be cool. Um, yeah. In that role. And yeah, not bad. A younger guy too. Yeah. That'd, that'd be like a different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Hollywood, get on it. <laughs> well, as long as we get our ten percent, or you know, this yeah. podcast isn't going to support itself, so we need to we need our cut. But yeah, you're uh, right. We need we need some hosting fees and and uh, sponsor and you know, sponsor us. Yeah, you know, Peter, if we stick our hand in the cookie jar, we're totally going to sell out. We're going to be like Michael Shannon. Who get Bradley Cooper back on the phone? <laughs> okay, need to make some money off this. But Michael Shannon's like, well, now now wait a minute. I, I I heard your podcast. You you liked me. <laughs> uh, that would man. That would I, I don't know. I. I would have a hard time selling out if I knew Michael Shan was a uh, subscriber because that, that that would be that would probably be enough. I could I could retire easily from podcasting. Knowing Let's that. do another podcast about Michael Shannon, dude. I'm, I'm ready. To, I'm Paxton. ready to. You know, he's like he is a native of Lexington, Kentucky. I'm ready to do that. So, did I know that? I don't, I don't think, think so. I knew that. Yeah. Oh, well, lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not yet. I've not yet been in his presence. Uh, I'm. You know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to look at his filmography now. We're getting on to this podcast, so. Um, uh, so the uh, you know the last question there though is the ultimate one for the show called original remake. Peter, which one would you pick if you can only pick one? Do you pick the original or the remake? I feel like I need to reserve my answer until I see the criteria. <laughs> Damn, Damn YouTube! Damn YouTube! Damn YouTube! So do you want me to answer that uh, honestly? I'm going to tell you the right answer. <sighs> um. <laughs> It's Peter Lorre. You you go with Abbott and you go with Leslie Banks and, and it just got the better cast. I just think the characters are just better in the original. I, I'm going to go with you on this one, Mike. I'm uh I'm going to choose the go ahead. Keep on nodding the head. Just <laughs> believe me that it looks great. Yeah. You will get to see um, it. No, no, I, I believe you. I uh, I also completely agree that the the cast in the 1934 version is is much much better. Uh, and the characters, because I just Abbott over the Draytons, hands down. You know, uh, Leslie Banks over Jimmy Stewart. I'm sorry, yeah, just um, liked him better as a dad. The Edna Best uh, character um, as the mom, much better. You know, uh, the daughter, 
<laughs> much better than the the whiny son, you know, who whose uh, phone conversation sounded like it was a recording, you know, which it, it probably was, you know, it just it it was really bad. Um, but the the remake has got some, you know, it's got some things to like too. But you know, if you had to choose just one, the, the original is uh, you know it's a lot shorter, you know, gets to the point. Um, better villain. So. Pacing's better. Better villain. Um, more charming leads. Uh, you know, and it ends with the the mom just you know braining the guy with her her rifle. I don't know. It's just it, I I think the original is fun. I think there's nothing wrong with the '56 version as far as like it's pretty standard Hitchcock and it looks looks great and uh it's a fun little adventure but uh I I'm going to I'm going to go see the original hands down here I think it I think it's interesting it's also kind of a mess it's a messy movie and kind of a little difficult to follow because it's on it's a, done on the cheap and uh it's done very fast they throw a lot of information at you but uh it holds up better on rewatch and I know because I I had to go back and watch it twice for this podcast and yeah, definitely the the thirty four version for me, and eventually Peter when he actually gets to see it <laughs> and not just listen to the audio play. Yeah, I mean, look the the, the fifty six version you said it, it's it's not bad. I mean, I I kind of like Doris Day. You know, just uh, the the other mother was just kind of a, a better character. You know, um, she was just better written in that one. So the fifty six version is still pretty good, still worth a watch. But again, if you just had to choose uh, the one, um, so I. I you know, I'd go back and watch both of these. So, but unfortunately, you're only going to send me just the 34 version. Right, right, exactly. But <laughs> you know, unlike other episodes, I would say that watching them together is kind of beneficial to both. Like it's it's kind of it's I, it's a cool. You know, not Companion. everybody's going to be freaks like us, and you know, once a week watch two movies that cover the same exact story uh, within the same time frame. Usually, people will be like take a few years off maybe and be like, Oh, they made another version of that. I'll check it out now. But this one, I think it holds up even with a very similar story. It's really cool to watch these two in a very short time span. And I would not say that with some other, uh, remakes we've got on our schedule. Some of those are (laughs) kind of a grind to get through. So that may be the very next episode. A little, little hint there for the, the girl with the dragon tattoo, not as fun to watch those back to back. So, yeah, I I definitely didn't uh, get to watch the uh, the the remake yet. Or no, wait, which one did I watch? I forgot already. No, I yeah, I haven't watched the remake uh, yet for for that upcoming episode. But um, yeah, even if we weren't doing this podcast, I, I watched an original movie and its remake, or vice versa, pretty close. Uh, you know, in in time, like usually the same week. But that's also back in the day when Blockbuster was still around, and I was able. To do that, and I was about it was to say, just something I liked. Let's hope there are a lot of people like you out there because we need we need subscribers. Let's hope there are people that are obsessed yeah. with the original and the remake for for a movie podcast. But yeah, I, I know there's people out there that just are completely, you know, like uh, against remakes. I'm like, no, bring them on, love it. You know, I, I, I like to see these uh, different takes and different um, you know visions and things like that. Yeah, so, feed the on. beast. We need them now. We got a podcast <laughs> support, so that's right. Uh, until uh, until that well, Michael Shannon money comes in one one last question um who would direct our remake who would direct it uh, you mentioned david fincher earlier you think that'd be a good one yeah is that right david fincher or is it david yeah yeah um 
<laughs> I don't. He's a little cold. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't know when. I think Fight Club might be the last time he let himself have fun. Um, I, I I'm gonna go. Um, you know, let, let's keep it all uh, in the family here. Uh, since we're trying to do our own little take shelter, let's go with Jeff Nichols. Let's go with the writer director of that, who also went on to do uh, Mud with Matthew McConaughey, yes. and so he's able to take. You know, some pretty, you know, serious sort of like crime story there. And he he made it kind of a fun thing. And you know what? To bring it full circle with mud, he proved that he works great with child actors. Like hey, those mm-hmm. kids are actually good. So let's give it to Jeff yeah. Nichols. There you go. Yeah. Those are the only two movies um, I think I've seen of his. He's probably got like, what, four or five movies, if that. I think he had one more that I've not seen okay. uh, called uh, Shotgun Stories. Um, and then he's got one yeah. coming out next March. So. Doesn't Shotgun Stories also have Michael Shannon? Michael Shannon appears in all of his films. So, oh, who was he in Mud? He's the the uncle of one of the boys, the one that uh, dives into the the river uh, at the end. Yeah, he actually just played a nice guy. I mean, just a nice kind okay. of uncle. Yeah. Well, so there, there we there we have it. We were we were on point with this episode, man. We 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 were, we were like the original thirty four man who knew too much. We get we had the bookends, <laughs> man. We brought stuff back, so yeah, good deal. Yeah. And if you want to hear my complaints about one of the girl with the dragon tattoo films, make sure to hit that subscribe button or check back on followingfilms.com for our next episode. While you are there. You can also check out Peter's other show, Hydrate Level 4, where he watches favorites from his childhood with his son, and they see how two different generations feel about a chosen film. Also, my other show, War Machine vs. War Horse, is there, where a new movie release inspires a look back at two older films with a similar theme, but different approaches. And if you'd like to make suggestions for future remakes to cover on this very podcast, reach out to us on Twitter, at Original Remake. If we were going to start a Michael Shannon podcast, do you know what the first episode would be? Hold on. Would we be going chronological? Yeah. You got this. You know this one. It's not a mile. Nope. Early 90s. Early 90s. 93, specifically. (sighs) 93. Give me some hints here. Give me a hint first. We mentioned... uh, one of the actors near the beginning of this very podcast. He is the star of this particular film. That actor that we mentioned. Yeah, an actor we mentioned at the and beginning that, of the recording. At the beginning. At the beginning of the recording, Jesus. Is it somebody from the movies that we just talked about? No, it's a movie you mentioned, though. Oh, Bruce, Bruce McGill? No. Bill Paxton. First Bill names, Paxton. right? Bill... Murray? Yeah. Bill Murray. 1993. Groundhog's Day? That is his first credited role. Will be. 
Was he just like somebody in the uh, one of the diners? He's the young man who just got married and is the wrestling fanatic. Wrestling fanatic. Gosh, I don't remember that. Bill Murray gets some WrestleMania tickets as a wedding present. Is that just like in one one of the uh, one of the days that he lives? Just like I think so, but I think it's the only time he actually gets to speak. I think he's just like a background character until that moment. Oh, okay, okay, got it. I think I kind of knew that. Yeah, it's been a while. Hey, that'd be kind of cool. It would be a cool, one, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, that'd be a good good podcast. <laughs>